0: Take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We're in a series that we've been preaching through on Wednesday nights that we've titled Power in That Name. And of course, we again remind you of the importance of the names of Jesus Christ throughout Scripture, to understand Him, to know Him better, to know what he, the work that He's doing in our lives. And many of the titles and names that is given are a description of of the work that Jesus Christ does in our hearts and lives. And so we're going to look at, at another tonight. If you would please stand for the reading of God's word if you're able to. 1 John chapter 2, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to So to walk even as he walked. Look back with me in verse 1 and verse 2 here. It says, My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so we see here we have two titles, you might say, or two names that we're going to look at uh, this evening. And that is uh, Advocate and Propitiation. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we come to you this evening asking that you would meet with us, Lord. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, draw us near to you, Lord. Lord, there's needs here that we don't know about. You know about them. And Father, I pray that you'd meet every need that is here tonight and even those who are watching by Live stream. I pray that you bless them, Lord. I pray you encourage them. Thank them, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for those who faithfully, Lord, not able to be here in person, but faithfully even in different states and in, in our area and other places, Lord, that uh, watch by live stream. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage them and strengthen. Them. We thank you for them, Lord. They, uh, Lord, I pray that you touch their lives. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and goodness to us. Meet the needs of your people now. I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Be seated. In chapter 2, we basically, we have a continuation of a theme from chapter 1. And that theme is the fellowship with the Lord. John is dealing here with the, the different characteristics of having fellowship with God. One of the most important things, one of the most vital things in your life and my life as a Christian is our fellowship with God. I think a lot of Christians don't stop and realize that. I think that they think, well, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, I need to try to live a good life. But they never really stop and consider how important it is and how vital it is in our lives that we have that fellowship with the Lord as a Christian, walking with Him daily, being in, in His presence and Him in our presence and being in the Word and seeing what He has to say in our hearts and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. He deals with the forgiveness of sin in chapter 1. In 1 John 1, 9, we, you hear me quote it so often. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The fact that He does that is so that we can keep that fellowship with Him, so that we can stay within that fellowship and, not, and our sin not hinder that fellowship If you look there, if you want to flip back there, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6, begin verse 6, says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If you notice there when he talks about walking in the light with him, it talks about, goes on and talks about the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanses us from all sin. That, the way that is written means it's a continual cleansing as you walk in the light because you're not perfect and I am not either. And everyone's going to sin and so we need that continual cleansing within our lives. The way we receive that is for, through 1 John 1, 9, that cleansing, if we confess those sins, he's... Faithful and just to forgive us of those sins Amen. and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, no matter what it is. You see, when we walk in that light, we know that the blood of Jesus Christ keeps on cleansing us from all sin, but we also know that there's imperfections in our lives. I don't care who you are tonight. You can sit here. You can look pious. You can look great. You can have every hair in place. You can, you can uh, 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 just speak every, every uh, 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 thing properly, you can walk properly, you can sit properly, but my friend, you are a sinner saved by the grace of God if you're saved tonight. and The fact is you still struggle with sin. There's not a person in this room, doesn't matter how long you've been saved, doesn't matter how mature you are in Christ, doesn't matter how good of a saint of God you are, you still have sin that you have to deal with in your life. No one has reached that stage of perfection yet. One day we will when we come into the presence of the Lord. So now we moved over into chapter 2 and we meet up with the two new titles of his name here that we're looking at this evening. And that is advocate and propitiation. He's the propitiator for us. You say, I don't even know what that means. We'll get into that in a minute. But the fact is that there's, those are two names or titles that can be referred to in Jesus Christ. We find here that the message that is speaking, referred to in chapter 1 in verse 5, he speaks of a message there. He's dealing with it when you get over here. It's a message of the gospel of grace. If it was not for the grace of God, there's not a person in this room could go to heaven. If it was not for the grace of God, not a person in this room could have their sin forgiven. If it was not for the grace of God, the, each one of us, the Lord would have to destroy us because of the wickedness even in our hearts, even after salvation. But it is the grace of God. And so we have the gospel of grace that, number one, we're saved by grace. But then we live and we are uh, instructed and we're carried through this Christian life by grace. It's the relationship with the Father by grace. You see, we don't deserve a relationship with the Lord. Even after salvation, we don't deserve a relationship with the Lord. It's His grace that He allows us to have that, and we're going to deal with why He allows us to have that and that grace of God. You see, it's the Lord's desire that His children do not sin. Look here in verse 1. Notice how John addresses you and me. Here he says, my little children, my little children. And it seems strange that he would do that, that he would call uh, those who he's writing to my little children. Say, well, he must have been way up in years and age and everything, and you know how a lot of us, we... Uh, we, we see somebody, they might be, you know, as you get a little bit older, you look at everybody and they, you, you call them, uh, you know, children or you call them, you know, young fellow, young lady, and they might be 40, 50 years old. You still call them young man or what young lady or whatever because you're so many years older than them, but that's not what John's doing here. What he's doing, he is addressing you and I as the father would address us as his little children we have received Jesus Christ as our Savior. Therefore, we become heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We become the child of God. And therefore, that's important that we understand that, that you are no longer a child of this world. You're no longer a child of the devil, but you are a child of God. Therefore, you are an heir and a joint heir to all that Jesus Christ has. Now, that ought to get you excited. Too many times we don't stop and realize uh, what we have in the bank account in heaven. But everything that Jesus Christ has belongs to you and I also because we're heirs and joint heirs in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. He said, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. The Lord is concerned about you and I living in sin. Now, although God has made an adequate provision for us not to sin, The fact is is that we still live in an imperfect body. We still struggle with sin. We still fall short of that perfection. Notice that the verse does not say that we cannot sin, otherwise that we're not capable of sinning. It doesn't say that. But John is writing to us that we may not sin, that we should not sin, that we ought to do everything that we can not to sin. Otherwise, we shouldn't just continue going down the road and say, well, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. And I've heard people, I've heard people say, well, uh, you don't believe you can lose your salvation. So then what do you care? Just do what you want to do. Live any old way. No, my friend, you don't understand. If you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, you don't want to sin. You don't want to be displeasing to God. There's not a desire to live in sin. There is a desire to live after God and to follow after Him. And, and even the Apostle Paul deals with the fact over in, in, uh, in uh, Romans, he, he deals with the fact that, uh, uh, that we are, are not to sin and that we're to, uh, not to continue sin. In chapter 6 in verse 1 and 2, says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Shall we continue in sin? He's talking about after you're saved. Shall you go ahead and live in sin? That the grace, that grace may abound. We're saved by grace. We're we're forgiven by the grace of God. He says, Do you do you well, if you're saved, then why not continue in sin? No, Paul says no. In fact, in verse 3, he says, no, or in verse 2, he says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now he's not talking that uh, saying that you'll never sin again. What he's saying is this you shouldn't continue to live in sin. You shouldn't be following after sin. It shouldn't be your desire. God wants us to walk in a manner that is well-pleasing to Him. He wants us to walk in obedience to His Word. He wants us to be obedient to Him. And so John is writing here. He said, uh, uh, these things write unto you that ye sin not. Otherwise, you should do everything you can not to sin. When you see that there's sin in your life, He said, you ought to do something to change it. Y'all do what you can to keep from sinning. Now, when you're doing that, does that mean that you won't fall into that traffic? No, because there is a devil that attacks you and I. There is is a, a wicked one that wants you to sin and trying to get you to sin and trying to trip you up and trying to get you to fall. You see, once you got saved, Satan couldn't get your soul. So now he's after your life because your life is important to the Lord. I think Christians need to get a hold of that fact that your life is very important to God. If it was not, he would have taken you home the day that you got saved. But you see, you're to be a light here. You're to be an example here. You're to be a witness here. You're to be one that people can look to and say, I need that in my life. And so therefore, the Lord allows you to live here. But if you're living in sin, Why would the world want what you have? They already got it. If you're living in sin, what kind of light do they see? They see nothing but darkness. If you're living in sin, what type of example are you to other Christians in the lost world? And so the Lord is interested in your life. and He's interested in keeping you in fellowship. He's interested in you not living in sin. And so he, uh, John is saying, listen, don't continue in sin. He didn't say that you will not sin. He said, don't continue basically in sin. Again, the emphasis is on our relationship with the Lord as a family member because we're now that child and heir of God. Our fellowship with the Lord is so very vital so, to so much in our Christian life or in our Christian walk and enjoying the blessings of God. I guarantee you this, you find a Christian who's not living in fellowship with the Lord, and they're miserable. You've been there. I've been there. When you're not walking in fellowship with God, watch out if there's something inside of you that, that just wilts, and you're miserable until you get it right with God and get back in fellowship with Him, there's that, that uh, cloud hanging over your head, you might say. And so there's no way that we, can, that we can enjoy the Christian life or be used of the Lord and be blessed by the Lord if we're not walking in fellowship with Him. The understanding of the verse would not be that of sinless perfection. Okay, that's not what John's saying. You have those today who say, oh, yeah, I, I, since I got saved, I don't, I don't sin. Can I tell you something? They just sinned because they just lied to you. Yeah. Because you're going to struggle in areas of your life. You say, well, I haven't done this and I haven't done that. I, I, I haven't done all those things. No, but the Bible says, he that knoweth do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. It may not be what you've done, but what you have not done that God is trying to get you to do that becomes sin. And so there's that struggle that we may have with sin. It can be a thought. It can be a word. It can be anger. It can be a feeling of of jealousy or whatever it is that can still be sin in a Christian's life. And that can hinder our walk with the Lord. So the understanding of the verse would not be to a sinless perfection, but that the Christian would not live in unconfessed sin and continue to live blatantly and knowingly and no one's sin. There was a preacher one time. He was preaching. I don't know if he's preaching out this. But he was preaching about, about the fact that, uh, that, that uh, no one's perfect and, 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 and sinless. And he says, is there anybody in here that's perfect and sinless? Raise your hand. Nobody raised their hand. He says, is there anybody in here that, that knows of somebody that's perfect and sinless? Finally, a little mousy guy in the back, you could tell he's pretty mousy, and he stuck up his hand. He said, you know of somebody that you've met somebody, and you've seen somebody that's sinless and perfect? He said, no, sir, I haven't met him, but my wife talks about her first husband all the time. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. As a little there was a little girl, a family was going on a, on a vacation for a, little, for a few days, getting away, a, a mom and dad, and, and they had a little girl. And they wanted to get away and, and not take the little girl with them this time. And so they let her stay on all, all night. It was just a, a night or two with a next-door neighbor. And they had four boys. And when they got back, they sit down with the little girl. so said, well, how did everything go? He said, well, Daddy... Uh, Pretty good, said, um, she called the, the man by name, said uh, he, had, he, had, he had family devotions every night with the four boys. He said, well, that's a good thing. She said, yeah. And he prayed every night for all four of those boys to, to be good and to do what was right. He said, well, that's good. She sat there for a minute. She said, yeah. She said, Daddy, God ain't answered that prayer yet. Can I tell you something? That prayer in your life and my life is not going to be answered until the Lord calls us home. But we should strive to get closer to the Lord and to not sin and allow the Lord to work in our lives. We should seek not to sin when, and then when we do, we should turn to the Lord and get it right with the Lord. You see, at this point, there is no sinless perfection. But... That is no excuse to live in sin. We find when we do sin, we have an advocate. Look at that same verse, verse 1 again. It's my little children. These things write I unto you that you sin not. And notice what he says. And if any man sin. You might want to underline that. But and if any man sin. He's making a provision here. We have an advocate. With the Father. And then he tells us who that advocate is. Jesus Christ, the righteous. We have an advocate. Notice that very next sentence again. And if any man sin, the the Lord has made a provision for the born-again Christian when we do sin. That provision is the advocate. The one that will be our advocate. And that's Jesus Christ. That word advocate is an intercessor, a consoler. A comforter. We have a comforter down here. That is the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us. But we have a comforter in heaven that will console and that will intercede for us. My friend, we many times don't realize that what Jesus Christ is doing in heaven. But he is interceding for you and I. He is our advocate before the Heavenly Father. An advocate is a legal term meaning one who will come to your side to help in every time of need, it's like this. Remember, Blake. Let's say that I, I don't know what the need would be in Blake's life. Let's just say that that uh, uh, let's just say that he has uh, has a need in a vehicle. I come beside, beside him. I said, I understand. you need, understand you need a vehicle. Yeah, uh, you can have Nana's car. And I give him Nana's car. I say, why don't you give him your truck? Because I need the truck. <laughs> I met a need that he had. Now that's kind of a, a far-out-fetched deal, but here's the deal. It's really far-fetched because he'll never get the keys away from Nana. But anyway, <laughs> if he sins, here's what happens. You know Jesus Christ your Savior? Okay. He sins. We have an advocate. Jesus Christ comes alongside. Here's what happens. Hunter, come over here a minute. Stand there. We'll say that this is the Heavenly Father. Here's what's taking place. Back up. I am gonna need a little room here. You sin. The devil goes and accuses you to the Heavenly Father. But when he accuses you There's an advocate, Jesus Christ, that comes alongside and he says, I know he did, but I died in his place. I've covered it with my blood and what you say doesn't matter. Did he go and advocate for himself? No he can't he can't he does because of the sin so he has to have someone who can and that's jesus christ he comes alongside stands between you and god and his judgment and his wrath and he advocates for you and say it's under the blood my blood it's covered case dismissed. Doesn't matter what what takes place at that moment because then it's over with. When the advocate steps in, it's over with. No. It doesn't matter. You say, well doesn't he have to do this, doesn't he have to do that? Doesn't he have to do this? I'll get into that in a minute. But the answer is no. You have an advocate. Okay, thank you, fellas. We have an advocate, his name is Jesus Christ. He comes alongside to represent us in a time of need. Jesus is the advocate with the Father. No one else, understand this, no one else can do that. I don't, I'm, not gonna be mean, I'm not trying to be mean here, but I have, to, I have to tell you this. The priest cannot advocate for anybody. They cannot go before the Heavenly Father and have his sins Dismissed. This preacher cannot go before the Heavenly Father and have your sins dismissed. There is only one that can advocate with the Father, and that is Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is our advocate. Our advocate is one that knows us personally. He knows everything in your life. It might have been that his sin was something that he didn't, you know, he, he fell into sin. He didn't mean to because this rascal was tempting him and working on him and trying to draw him away. And he did. He fell into sin. Satan enticed him and drew him out. He was, he was enticed and, and drawn out into sin. And he sinned and, and he realized it was wrong, but he had already sinned. Guess what? Jesus Christ knows him personally and knows his heart and he advocates for him our advocate knows us personally he's our savior he's our mighty God our advocate loves us deeply it's not like oh man you have done this 15, 20, 30 40, 50 times you've done this so many times forget it no he loves us deeply. So deeply that He died on the cross for us. If He was willing to die for you, don't you think that He'd be willing to be your advocate also? He's your advocate. He comes before the Heavenly Father. He intercedes. He's a consoler. He makes the difference for you and me. We have a wonderful Heavenly Father and. And we don't lose our salvation when we sin, but Satan does go before the, the Father and he accuses us. Just like I, I showed that, that Satan went before the Heavenly Father and he was accusing him of something that he had done. Can I tell you something right now? As sitting in this room, and, and, I, and I'm not saying that everybody has done something today, but I guarantee you that somebody in this room, or many somebodies, have done something today. That Satan has went before the Heavenly Father and accused you of what you've done. Huh? Preacher, I didn't go kill anybody. did not have to. He still wants to accuse you. Well, I didn't I didn't steal anything. Doesn't matter. He still wanted to accuse you. You know why? Because he wants God to pour his wrath out on your life. He can't get your soul, so now he wants your life destroyed. And if he can take your sin and try to get the Heavenly Father to bring judgment against you and cause you to be destroyed by the hand of God or to be taken home early, get you out of the picture, keep you from being a witness and a testimony, he's going to try to do it. But guess what? We have an advocate that stands in our place before the Heavenly Father. He's our advocate. You see, Satan is the accuser in Revelations 12, uh, 10, uh, 12 and verse 10 says, For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. You say, I just don't think that Satan is going before the throne of God and accusing me and, and, and you continually. Well, let me put it this way. Have you ever read the book of Job? Job hadn't sinned, had he? Not, he'd sinned. I mean, he's a man. But he wasn't living in sin. But what did Satan do when Satan came before the, the Heavenly Father on an appointed time? He, God himself said to Satan, have you considered my, my servant Job, that he escheweth evil and he's an upright man? And Job said, yeah. And he said, but let me, let me say this. You build a hedge of protection around him. I can't even get to him. But you let me, and I'm just going to jump through several hoops here and hit both of them at the same time. You let me touch his flesh, take everything he's got and, he, and, and touch his body. He said, he'll curse you to your face. He was accusing Job of something that Job had never even done. And Satan is continually accusing you and I before God. Sometimes, I'll be honest with you, he don't have to look for something I haven't done. All he's got to do is accuse me of not doing what I should be doing or whatever. I'm sure he can find plenty to accuse me of, and you. So he's the accuser of the brethren, because he wants the Lord to destroy you we have an advocate that comes in between him and the Heavenly Father. When that happens, our advocate, Jesus Christ, steps in. He intercedes for us. An unknown author wrote this one time. I don't know who it was that wrote it. It says, I hear the accuser roar of ills I have done. I know them well and thousands more. Jehovah findeth none. Though the restless foe accuses, sins recounting like a flood. Every charge our God refuses, Christ has answered with his blood. It's the blood of our advocate, Jesus Christ, that, that cleanses us from all sin. He's our advocate. Jesus is our advocate because he's our propitiation for our sins. Look in verse 2, it says... And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He is the the propitiation. Here the propitiation means an atonement. It means that sins have been paid for by the suffering of another and Christ is my advocate interceding for me, and He Himself is a propitiation. He suffered for my sins. He made the atonement for my sins and for your sins and for the sins of the whole world. He's the advocate, He's the propitiation. Otherwise, He's the atonement. He's the one that paid for your sins and my sins. Notice again, John does not say if anyone repents, He has an advocate. Nor if anyone confesses his sins, he has an advocate. What he does say is that if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. This is what, where we need to get tonight so that you understand the whole picture. It's this way. I'll step back up here again. You stand right here. He, let's say, he he cusses. Takes maybe even the Lord's name in vain. Satan immediately begins to accuse. As soon as he sins, he accuses. Preacher, when does the advocate step in? After he confesses that he has sinned? No. After he's done some type of repentance? No. The advocate steps in immediately when he sins. It's under the blood. If you look at the terminology that's used, the advocate does exactly this. He sins, the advocate turns to the Father and looks at the Father. It's under the blood. But he hasn't confessed his sin and got it right yet. The Bible didn't say that he had to confess his sin and get it right before the advocate stepped in. It says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. So, because he's saved, because Jesus Christ is the propitiation, the atonement, the down payment, he shed his blood for him. That makes him the advocate immediately whether he has confessed it and got it right yet or not. you want what most of us think? Jesus will intercede for me when I confess it and get it right. He turns to the Father. He is the advocate for you before you ever confess it. You say, well, how does that all work? It's like this. Come here, Levi. You got Satan accusing. You got somebody that just sinned. Here's what happens. It's under the blood. Holy Spirit, go bring conviction in his heart. And he brings conviction in his heart and works in his life until he gets it right. Wait a minute. It was already advocated for. Jesus already stepped in. It's under the blood. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what he says. It's under the blood. So what does that mean? As far as the judgment of God, it's over. But here's what has happened. What if he does not confess though the Holy Spirit is working on him and he doesn't confess and get it right this is what happens remember what we was talking about the theme of chapter 1 carried over into chapter 2 the fellowship he doesn't lose his salvation he breaks fellowship okay he breaks fellowship now he's miserable the Holy Spirit is working on his heart. He's not getting right. Now, what can happen? There's a multitude of things can happen. If he continues in sin, it could come to a point where God says, "Okay, that's enough. Quit dealing with his heart. Let him go his own way." And he'll go farther out into sin. Oh, is that meant when he loses? No, he didn't lose salvation. He goes farther out in sin. His life gets a lot worse. God goes ahead and can send the Holy Spirit continually to deal with him because the Holy Spirit dwells within him. But his heart's getting harder and harder all the time until finally one day the advocate even says, We got to do something. That may be bringing him home early, that may be putting him in a hospital, that may be whatever it is to get his attention. But before he ever sinned, he had an advocate that stood between him and God. That interceded, that canceled out the accusations of Satan. It's under the blood. Because the blood of Jesus Christ, listen, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from some of our sins. No. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from what? All are sins. Well, all is just what you can. All. It's all that you can. No, all. What he has lost is fellowship. And my friend, one of the worst places for a Christian to be is out of the fellowship with God. It's miserable. You do not have the protection of God you do not have the blessings of god you do not have the power of god and many times you do not have the presence of god it's a terrible place to be to continue to live in sin that's why john said said what he said that we need to sin not that's why paul said should we continue in sin he said god forbid why because of the terrible life that it brings in a christian Clears mud Right. thank you fellas and so we have an advocate and this advocate is the propitiation he is the atonement for our sin it is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ even before we repent of that sin the very moment that we had that evil thought or the very moment we did that wrong act Jesus was there at the throne of God to represent us as Satan was there to accuse us Then because of a faithful advocacy of Christ, the Holy Spirit brings that conviction that we might repent of that sin, that our fellowship with the Lord is not hindered. That's where 1 John 1, 9 comes in. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that do? That restores fellowship. That restores the fellowship. Most of you have heard of C.H. Spurgeon. There's a story told about C.H. Spurgeon that one day he was downtown and he was walking, getting ready to cross the street to meet a fella on the other side. It was the horse and buggy days. It wasn't like you had had, uh, busy car traffic or anything like that. It had horse and buggies. It was a dirt street, but he was getting ready to cross the street. And about midway of the street, he just stopped. He waited a little bit, and he went on across. The fellow that was waiting for him on the other side, when he got over to the other side, he said, what happened? He said, it almost looked like he was almost standing out there praying. He said, I was. He said, there were some things that come to mind that could have went between me and the Lord, and I wanted to get them right, right then. Right then. You know when the best time to confess your sin is? Right then. Immediately, as soon as you know that you have sinned, to get it right, right then. Don't wait. As soon as that that understanding that, that you have sinned, get it right with the Lord. Confession of sin is getting on God's side and seeing our sin from His viewpoint. And confessing that it is sin. Here's what a lot of people do nowadays. Oh, I just messed up. No, you didn't mess up. It was sin. Well, it's it's a weakness. No, it's sin. Well, one of the things that they're saying now is, you know, alcoholism, it is a sickness. According to the Bible, it is a sin. Well, drugs, uh, you know, the, the, and, and everything, it, it's, a, it's a sickness. No, I can go into the fact that the words call them pharmakia and sorcery and stuff like that and show you that it is sin. We can go into all these different things that man says it's just a, a sickness or it's just a weakness or, oh, I just slipped this time. No, you sinned. Our problem today as Christians is we try to work around it and not call it what it is. My friend, understand that sin is sin. And until we realize and we confess, here's what it is. Come back up here. Uh, Yeah, Blake. (laughs) He's only my grandson. I don't know who he is. This is God. God. I've sinned. We've got two sides of looking at it. The way God looks at it and the way I'm looking at it. I can look at it as a weakness. I'll do better. I'll turn over a new leaf. Or I can go over here and say, that was sin. I sinned against you. I confess that. It was sin." forgive me. And until we do that, we're going to struggle with that. We have to get on God's side and look at sin the way sin is and call it what he calls it. A sincere child of God wants to please the heavenly Father. And he doesn't want the fellowship hindered. The psalmist expressed it this way. In Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be, if there, if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. He said, Lord, you look at it and you tell me what it is and I will be in agreement with you. What is it in my life that is sin, Lord? Show me. I like what a fellow said one time, talking about sin, said, well, I, I, I'm praying and I just, I, you know, I just feel like I need to confess something. I just don't know what it is. You know, one of the best things you can do when you go to an altar sometimes and you just feel that load. Why don't you get down on your knees and say, Lord, there's something there. I don't know what it is. Holy Spirit, would you show me in my life, what I need to get right, what I need to confess, what I need to allow you to point, put your finger on that is sin in my life because well, I don't want anything to hinder my fellowship with the Lord. I know I have an advocate. I know it's under the blood. But I want to confess it that it does not stand and destroy my fellowship with you. We have an advocate that comes alongside us and for us and intercedes before the Father for us. His name is Jesus, the very one who is the propitiation or the atonement or the payment for our sin, Jesus Christ, the advocate, the propitiation. For you and me. Today I feel like Christians. Are laying aside. That fellowship with God. Yes it's under the blood. But the fellowship has been broken. In many Christians lives. Because they will not get it right. Praise the Lord we have an advocate. Praise the Lord it's under the blood. But when the fellowship is broken, when the fellowship is not good, the Christians are not the shining light. They're not the witness. They're not the testimony. They're not what this world needs to see. This world needs to see Christians who are walking in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, our advocate. Let's bow. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the mercies that you've shown unto us. Lord, I pray that there was an understanding tonight, Lord, of the advocate and the propitiation. Lord, I pray that we'd have that understanding, Lord, that we would allow you to guide us and direct us. Lord, I pray that our fellowship with you would not be hindered by sin. Strengthen us and guide us. Use us for thy honor and use us for thy glory. And Lord, help us to walk day by day in fellowship with you. We thank you for the Advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who shed his blood on the cross and rose again the third day to be our propitiation, the atonement, the covering for our sin. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight?